Alright man, welcome to episode 30, 137 of Electrified, I'm your host Eric Lyons I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, I don't have anything to say I don't, uh, I tried, didn't want to, but I, I, I couldn't articulate myself the way I did on episode 108 um, Because I I just, I can't, without cursing and without being overly emotional, I can't I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I have, I have, I don't have any words. I don't have the patience to, to put together words or sentences about how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm messed up. I'm hurting. And my mental health situation is not okay right now. And I, I just cannot, I want to be here talking about sports, but life is life. So that's why I call this episode pain delay in baseball. You have rain delays. Right now, I'm I'm delaying the, this, you know, talking about sports and the next episode because I am in pain. So what I'm doing for you here, I'm giving you guys an intro. What you're about to hear, if you didn't hear this episode, instead of, you know, just posting it and say, go listen to it. I'm going to repackage this one and drop it here again. So if you haven't heard it, you don't have to go back and look for it. This is episode 108 of Electrified. This is dropped on August 28th of 2020. Here we are, April 14th, 2021. Still dealing with the same shit. When will it change? Probably won't. They say the system is broken. How the hell can something be broken when it was never fixed to begin with? Got a police officer saying she didn't know the difference between her gun and her taser. You're telling me when you wake up in the morning, you strap the hell up. You don't know the difference between your weapons. Please go to hell. As you can see, I have a different energy today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pissed off and I'm hurt. I should not be crying on my way to work. I shouldn't. But I'm in pain. Some of y'all don't understand the pain that I'm dealing with right now. You don't understand the fear of having fear for your father, your uncles, your cousins, your friends getting pulled over and losing their lives on a goddamn traffic stop. I'm tired of seeing people who look like me. Die on camera at the hands of people who were supposed to protect and serve us. Protect and serve who? Not me. Can't be us. So, pray for me. Check on your people. And listen to this episode. Um, I'll be back next week. We should hopefully, you know, I can get back to regularly scheduled programming next week. But as for right now, just listen. It's amazing. Why we keep loving this country, and this country does not love us back. And it's just, it's really so sad. Like, I should just be a coach. And it's so often reminded of my color. You know, it's just really sad. We got to do better. Uh, but we got to demand better. Like, we got, you know, it's, it's funny. We protest and they send riot guards, right? Uh, they send people in riot outfits. They go to Michigan with guns. 
and they're spitting on cops and nothing happens. The training has to change in the police force. The unions have to be taken down. my brother's keeper. And when you say the name Jacob Blake, make sure you say father, make sure you say cousin, make sure you say son, make sure you say uncle, but most importantly, make sure you say human. Human life. Let it marinate in your mouth, in your mind. A human life. Just like every single one of y'all and everywhere around here, we're human. And his life matters. So many people have reached out to me telling me they're sorry that this happened to my family. Well, don't be sorry, because this has been happening to my family for a long time, longer than I can account for. It happened to Emmett Till. Emmett Till is my family. Philando, Mike Brown, Sandra, this has been happening to my family. And I've shared tears for every single one of these people that it's happened to. This is nothing new. I'm not sad. I'm not sorry. I'm angry. And I'm tired. I haven't cried one time. I stopped crying years ago. I am numb. I have been watching police murder people that look like me for years. I'm also a black history minor. So not only have I been watching it in the 30 years that I've been on this planet, but I've been watching it for years before we were even alive. I'm not sad. I don't want your pity. I want change. Hey, yo, as we proceed to give you what you need, put your mother fist in the air. I don't care if you're white, you're black, Latino, Asian, Caucasian, Malaysian, whatever you are. As long as you with this mother elevation. Cause see, as we proceed to give you what you need, you scared. You scared, man. You scared. Hey, yo, that's why they be killing us and shooting us. That's why they feel uncomfortable around us, because of our greatness. You're lucky God made us compassionate and forgiving. Man, they scared of us, Nas. We see that in your eyes. Okay, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is episode 108 of Electrified. I'm your host, Eric Lyons. Today's show will be different from any other show that you'll hear or have heard from me. Today, we won't be talking about the NBA playoffs, NFL training camp, NHL playoffs, 
the MLB season, or what's going on in the totality of the world of sports. Today we'll be talking about the real world and the games that are played in this country that don't have anything to do with a ball, a bat, a set of gloves, or any equipment of that nature. These are the games that are played in the streets. The games that are played in the police departments. The games that are played at Capitol Hill. The games that are played in your local politician's office. We'll be talking about the real world today. The real problems that we face. The real problems that me, as a young black man, face. Like I said last night when I made the the uh statement before I you know before today. This show isn't this episode isn't here. I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. I'm not here to sway anybody's opinion. Because if you don't understand, you don't want to, and you are the problem. I'm not talking to the problem anymore. I'm talking to the people who want to be a part of the solution and want to move this country forward and try to get us out of this hellhole that we've been in. Before I get completely started, I just wanted to get a couple of things off my chest because that's all this is and all this is about. Event session, uh, a better way to express myself. Like I've said, I've never been afraid to talk about issues, whether I'm talking about social injustices or things that have to do with women in sports of anything of that nature I'm not scared to use my platform and today I'm using my platform strictly for this so these conversations if you couldn't make it through the intro if you couldn't make it through the intro then you should probably stop listening now period just want to say a couple of things before I get started I don't people I don't think people truly understand how scary it is to be black. You think because you might live in a better neighborhood than somebody or you might have a degree, you might be a college student or you might have a good job. You know, you you might come from a two-parent home. With a good background, you can have all those things. You could have, you could not have those things, and still be a a good person. That doesn't make you where you come from. Your back that doesn't make you. But to be black, it's a scary thing. I have white friends. Well, if they have an interaction with the police, they don't have to worry about. Am I going to make it out of this alive? They don't have to worry about. Will this result in me. Getting seriously hurt. Will this result in me losing my legs. Losing my ability to see. Will I. Will my arm be broken today. Will I be able to walk after this. Will my spine be broken. Will my neck be broken. Will I be choked out tonight. They don't. They don't really worry about that. But to be black, being pulled over in this country, in this climate, 
It's probably the scariest thing ever right now. Any police interaction. And it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. It really is. And me, I don't have any fear in my heart. I fear nothing but God. But I am a realist. And I do understand the dangers that life presents. And I know that is one of them. I don't think people truly understand that. So when LeBron says it's scary to be black, he's, he, you know, he's afraid. It's a, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Also, before I get started, I would like to say Brian Erlock is a bitch. Point blank, period. No Super Bowls. Less tackles. Way less tackles. Way less Pro Bowls. Way less, you know, defensive player of the years. Uh, no Madden cover, no Super Bowl appearance, no Super Bowl MVP. He's not Ray Lewis. He's a bitch. Um, you know, I hope they. I'm I'm proud of Chicago Bears for this social distancing from him. He's a clown. Um, he was. You know, I, I don't respect Brian Urlacher, and that's all the energy I'll give him. But today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you a history lesson. We're going to talk about what's going on in our country and what we can actually do to make change. But I want to start off before I get into what's going on, because this will, this will take me into my next. I'm going to start off with media framing and the kid, the the murderer, uh, Cal Rittenhouse, 17 year old that launched uh, fire into crowd of protesters killed two people that's where I want to start let's talk about media framing real quick well not real quick nothing nothing today will be quick so be ready to be here for a while period because we're going to talk about we're going I'm going to take my time so you can hear me and feel me so bear with me The media drowns out the message. First of all, this is I'm this is I'm reading what I'm about to be uh, talking to talking from referencing is a um, an essay and a presentation I gave on media and race riots. This was a speech I gave. Uh, what year was that, bro? Twenty seventeen or eighteen? So this is where my point of reference is from. The media drowns out the message and promotes the violence, chaos, and anger that comes out of race riots in order to push a negative agenda onto black people. Tensions are as high as today as they were during the 1960s. When these tensions boil over into the streets and turn into demonstrations, you can always count on the media being there. Mass media outlets do not care about protesters being agitated by police in order to intensify a fever hot situation they just want to display a negative look at the black community if race riots are a fuel then the media excuse me if race riots are a fire then the media is the fuel let's start off 1917 the east st louis riots the media is quite intelligent and knows how to manipulate the way that people think 
When a situation is driven by high emotion, the media can use that to their advantage and write certain things to get a reaction out of people. I read an article uh, that Terry Ann Knopf wrote titled Race Riots and Reporting. It quotes, even before the first outbreak, newspapers in the area seemed to play on the sensitivities of the people. In May, news stories told of an impeding residential quote-unquote invasion by blacks. So basically, not only did the papers help ignite the incidents, they chose sides during the riots like they were rooting for their favorite sports team. In the boxing world, when there's a big fight coming up, the boxers do press tours in order to hype and sell the fight. The media during this time decided to set the stage for a black versus white showdown before anything even happened. The St. Louis Republic tried to make it seem like the black people had more firepower and still lost in the altercation. The text states, what the news accounts of the time failed to mention was that whites had also carried weapons. Instead, the emphasis was on the automatic pistols and loaded revolvers and the possession of blacks. Knopf said, on the rare occasion when a white man was arrested, the local newspaper did not usually take trouble to do a story. Tulsa riots, 1921. A white mob went into the black community of Greenwood and attacked the residents and their businesses. Clearly domestic violence, but some didn't see it that way. Chris M. Messer and Patricia A. Bell wrote mass media and governmental framing riots of riots, the case of Tulsa 1921. Research on newspapers and government reports after the riots to see how the event was framed. The text states, although evidence from the Red Cross, victim residents, and a few National Guard reports suggest that black citizens were merely victims of mob action. Most local media outlets portrayed the riot as quote-unquote Negro uprising. The article says police practices and some actions contributed to the, ri- to the progression of the riot. Some of these actions included uh, deputizing white white civilians providing guns to white civilians and doing little to disperse the white mob in the first place this is 1921 not 2016 not 2020 this is 1921 but it sounds very familiar i could have told you this was ferguson i could have told you this was kenosha i could have told you this was atlanta i could have told you this was um minnesota could have changed this to Minnesota 2020, Atlanta 2020, and of all made sense. Please do not underestimate the power the police have. Don't, ask the, don't underestimate that. So when you see these people, you know, when you see certain certain demonstrations and certain riots get get more fickle. Don't just think it's the people. All right, look look a little closer. You'll you, <laughs> you'll see some things. The Watts riots, 1965. Injustices against the black community are like thunder, and the riots that follow are the lightning. Since 1965, there have been a lot of perfect storms. 
The Watts riot in 1965 started with a very intense traffic stop between the family of Marquette Fry and police officers on the scene. The situation boiled over into eight days of unrest. Maria Koch uh, wrote, Would anybody listen? Media-biased imaging of the culture of fear of African Americans during the Watts riots in 1965. Cook analyzed the Los Angeles Times and the Washington Post in order to see how the media presented the Watts riot. She wrote, every article examined from both papers makes a clear distinction between white slash Caucasian people and African American people or Negroes as they are called in these articles. And an analysis an analysis shows that the word Negro is used 68 times in the Washington Post and in the L.A. Times 74 times. She refers to the theory of dominant white attitude, which was strong in both newspapers. Once again, black people are the main attraction at the media circus. This is similar to when they call black people thugs. When, when black people go out. And, and end up damaging some businesses in the name of justice, in the name of unrest, in the name of we tired of y'all killing us, in the name of Black Lives Matter, in the names of peaceful protests, y'all don't want to hear that, in the names of it started off peaceful, then y'all made it unpeaceful. So, you know what I mean? You, you see what I'm saying? But when some white kids go out, flip some cars because their D3 school one a rival game or 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 some white kids or some canadian kids go out and terrorize the town because the canucks won a game like do you, it's okay nah nah they're thugs too detroit riots 1967 fast forward to 1967 and television has come to be a leading source of news now the cameras are capturing live footage and showing people all over the world all types of images. Benjamin D. Singer wrote Mass Media and, Com- and Communication Processes in the nineteen and excuse me, in the Detroit riot of nineteen sixty seven. Four hundred ninety nine black men who were arrested during the riots were interviewed. According to Singer, the majority of the participants had college degrees and gave their views on how the media showed the riot on TV. The table was called Perceptions of What People Were Doing During the Television Riot Sequences. Violent Acts uh, Against Persons, 49.8%. Looting, 21%. Peaceful Demonstrations, 7.2%. This was before the pay-per-view era, but the mass media was showing the violence on primetime television like it was a Saturday night fight card. Instead of trying to show that there was a balance by showing the peaceful demonstrations, they highlighted the violence and negativity. This is 1967. Once again, I could put this on Baltimore, 2015, Ferguson, 2015, 2016, Minnesota, 2020, Kenosha, 2020, Portland, 2020, DC, 2020, New York, 2020. Nine times out of ten, these peaceful protests start off peaceful. These police officers, they come in with their riot gear. They're already amped up. They want to do something. I've seen the, I've seen video. 
of an officer amped up, ready to do something crazy, waiting for somebody to try him. And his own man had to tell him to calm his ass down. They want that. They come out looking for the smoke. Because they know they, they got the tear gas. They got the rubber bullets. They get, they got the riot gear on. They want that. So they go out. They agitate the situation. And it boils over. And now all of a sudden. Oh. They're rioting. Oh look at the looting. But it always starts off. The, the one thing that's always. The constant in this. People always tell. That we're there. We we'll always say. Started off peaceful. Started off peaceful, but the media they don't they don't, they don't show that side. They don't. They don't. Nineteen ninety two, L.A. riots. There's a documentary on everything I'm about to talk about right here on Netflix. Very hard to watch, but I, I would I definitely now would be the time to watch it. Whew. Su Kwong Oh and Justin Hudson wrote Framing and Reframing the 1992 LA Riots, a study of minority issues framing by the LA Times and its readers. Text stated, how did the main, mainstream newspaper and its readers discuss minority-related issues differently before during, and during the 1992 riots? It's quite interesting to see how much mainstream media and society as a whole care about issues before the outrage starts the phrase numbers don't lie heavily applies to the study by searching the names of rodney king and latasha harlins the number of stories related to them were uh, found in specific time frames according to the study from march 17 1991 to december 14 1991 there were a total of 96 stories written about king and harlins in comparison to 133 stories written about the riots from april 30th 1992 to may 29th 1992 so the final score of rodney and harlins versus the riots was 133 to 9 to 96 in favor of the riots in a much shorter time span and of course, the officers involved in the Rodney King beating were acquitted, and the woman who killed Latasha Harlins murdered her, was convicted on voluntary manslaughter, not first degree murder. In conclusion, the main concept that I was able to pull from all of this research was framing. I think about an actual picture frame when framing is discussed because that is what it reminds me of. Putting one thing into focus while ignoring or not showing everything around it. That is what the media has been doing to race relations over the past 100 years. And clearly it continues to do. So let's go to the fast forward to today. August 2020, Jacob Blake was shot seven, time, seven times in his back. We're going to get to that. But let's start skip on the media. And it's Kyle Rat, uh, Kyle, what's his kid's name? Kyle Rittenhouse in the media. So let's start off with this right here. Fox News, Tucker Carlson said, Are we, are, oh wow, are we really surprised? That looting and arson accelerated to murder 
How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? This is the f- I mean, I'm not surprised by this. This is Fox News. But this is someone with a bigger, a way bigger platform than me is condemning murder. He's condemning murder. It's okay. It's okay if a white kid does it. That's that's he justified murder. I want to say did their police chief say something like this wouldn't happen if if people were in during uh curfew? He said something like that, bro. Something of that nature. So here's what um here's what we know about this this guy. So he supported Blue Lives Matter, which which isn't real. Blue Lives Matter is not a real thing. Uh, it it makes me laugh when, especially you know, in this area, when I see people with the uh, the Blue Lives Matters flags. I guess it's hilarious because Blue Lives don't exist. There are no blue people. Um, the only blue people that I know personally are the Smurfs. Um, good people, great people, love the Smurfs. Shout out to Papa Smurf. Um, but police officers, they're not blue. They don't bleed blue. Blue Bloods, that's the cool show, but they're not, they don't bleed blue. Um, they're, they're on black, white, Latino, all types of colors. They're not blue though. They're not blue. And to be that delusional, to put more value, more value into Blue lives matter that don't exist while at the same time devaluing black lives matter, which actually which black lives do actually exist. There are black people who actually are alive and living and are dying in this country. I think that's pretty laughable. You can put so much energy into hating a group of people while supporting (laughs) People of a figment like it's it's basically like you're fans of the Avengers. They're not real. They're not a real thing. That's like saying um, all elves matter, or elves' lives matter. They're not real. Santa Claus isn't real. Blue lives matter doesn't exist. Please get that through your thick skulls. Once again, I'm not talking to you people. I'm not talking to my guys, my people, because we know that already. I'm sure we know that already. So he murdered innocent people Not only did he kill two innocent people He did it in the presence Of police Police were there They were there, he walked right past them Like he had the Harry Potter cloak of invisibility on With an AR-15 Not a pistol, not nothing that was in his dip It was on his shoulder like he was in Iraq He didn't have to reach for it It was out also, I've read something that said, and I believe in Wisconsin, but I think he's from Illinois. I'm not sure, but you're not even supposed to have. You 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 can't be licensed to carry under 18. Just something to think about. So, <sighs> this is crazy, man. 
So he murdered two innocent people on camera in the presence of police and was able to be lawfully arrested, survived this arrest with no injuries. So he was arrested, lawfully arrested, while Sandra Bland died after a traffic stop. Mike Brown died with his hands up. <laughs> oh, man. So, when we talk about the media and the framing of certain events, or certain people It's clear as day And as many times as we see it You think they would stop But now it's just redundant And they're doing it on purpose Because we're not dumb We see it We see you We know the vibes already We know what type of time y'all on It's nothing new It's 2020 We've all seen these movies before So the New York Post Two different headlines Jacob Blake had a knife in his car when he was shot by police, says DOJ. There's a headline. Here's another one. Suspect, suspected teen, excuse me, suspected teen gunman Kyle Rittenhouse spotted cleaning Kenosha graffiti uh, um, before shooting. Come on, dog. Somebody and then I read another article, I read another headline that called him a vigilante. The hell, dude, not no damn. He's not, he's not no damn antihero. He's not racist bat. Like they try to make dude seem like racist Batman. Like he's not Sting coming to save us from the NWO, bro. He's a murderer. He's a coward. Of of of, of, of before anything, he's a coward. Shooting into a crowd of innocent people was cowardly. Cowardly. And you know what the police did for him? Oh, here's a bottle of water. Like what? Oh yeah, he was he was scraping off graffiti. Before he did this, so oh man, it's all right. Dylan Roof went to a church, had Bible study, then killed everybody there. What do you say? Oh, oh yeah, he was also lawfully arrested, survived his arrest. They even took him to Burger King, so they probably took old Cow to Red Lobster. You want to take some Cheddar Bay biscuits with you before we take you to booking? Tuh. Remember when Trayvon Martin left this earth? Remember that? Feel like a long, feel like fifteen years ago, don't it? I remember how young I was under trying to understand that situation. But remember that when they kept calling him a thug. When they kept calling him a thug. He was a thug. Kept kept showing us a picture of when he was with the hoodie on. Oh, this thug, that, this thug, that. Look at his Instagram. He putting his middle fingers up. 
Look, he had fronts. Look at the type of stuff he posted. Remember when Mike Brown left this earth? Also, speaking of Mike Brown, if you there's a documentary it was on Stars. I don't know if it's on there anymore. You can probably find it. I believe it's called. Oh man, hold on. Hold on. This documentary I watched this I think two years ago, last year, moved me to tears. Um, Stranger Fruit. Yeah, watched this couple like three years ago. Stranger Fruit, Mike Brown documentary. Read, watch that, please. Um, but remember when he left this earth, and they kept calling him a like a man, like this man died, this man, right? Mike Brown was eighteen. Just graduated. Eighteen. Mike Brown was a teenager. When you turn eighteen, when I turned eighteen, I wasn't. I didn't consider myself to be a man. I was. I'm still a teenager. Mike Brown was eighteen, but the media wanted us to believe that he was such a, a grown up. He was so big. He was so grown, as if he was in his thirties. Bro, he was eighteen, a kid, a baby. Ain't know nothing yet. The media kept pushing Oh he was a man He was a man This 18 year old man This 18 year old man This 18 year old man But They want Rittenhouse To remember this Being racist Batman Instead of the killer And coward That he is That's what the media does So backtrack to Jacob Blake. So here's the thing about this. Here's how I feel about this. I clicked on a video. I saw the video, the first video of uh, the shooting itself. Now what led up to it. For my mental my genuine general well-being I don't want to see anymore I saw all I needed to see I saw somebody get shot seven times in their back not their front their back their back that's what I saw so he was attempting to open his car door His back was turned. How threatening could somebody be with their back turned in such a close vicinity? Like, think about it. His back was turned. Car door was open. Space and opportunity was limited. If he did reach for something, by the time he turned around, he wasn't going to be able to do nothing with it. If you guys handled it right. It's three officers. One man with his back turned. Who knows what he was doing in there? We don't know. The point is, if your guns weren't in your hands, if your hands were available, how hard would it have been to tackle him? Turned around. He's turned around. Grab him. Stop him from what he's doing. Wrestle him. Tussle him. Struggle with them Like you do your, 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 your non-colored suspects Give them a chance But your, your guns are drawn 
your guns are drawn. You don't have hands. Your hands are both hands on your weapons. If at least one of you didn't have your weapon drawn, your hands would have been free. And you could have grabbed them. You could have grabbed them. Space and opportunity, people. This is just this is this has nothing to do with being an officer. This is just common sense. Space and opportunity. If I'm trying to get somebody and they're that close with their back turned, why is my gun out? I can grab you from right here. You right there. I can reach out and touch you. So if I can reach out and touch you, that means I can grab you. That means I can I can pull you away from whatever you're trying to do. I can subdue you. But no, their guns were drawn. So the whole comply and don't die thing that you people talk to me talk to me about beat you've been beating that dead horse for so long. Boy, you know what I mean? The comply and don't die, do this, do that, and you won't end up here, you won't end up there, right? When this year this year we saw Rayshard Brooks talks to the police for over 40 minutes, complied, and he's no longer with us. So what the hell do you want us to do? We do the right things. Still end up in the ground or like Jacob Blake, paralyzed on the waist down. Just a question. So all the complier die BS, don't want to hear that. Don't want to hear that. And it's always interesting to me when people want to tell you what you should do in a situation where your life is on the line, a situation they've never been in, a situation they probably will never be in themselves. So how the hell can you tell me or another person what I should do in this situation when you will never ever ever know or be family family with anyone who will be in that situation so for those people i tell them to go to hell and i'm tired i'm tired of tell of people telling us with the victims victims because they are victims they are victims. Just because somebody with a badge kills me, kills someone, doesn't mean doesn't make them doesn't make us less of a victim. They're still a victim. They're not criminals. They weren't. They're not convicts, inmates. They're civilians. Civilians' lives. These are officers. They have the badge. They have the. I'm doing air quotes right now. You can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes. They have the training. They're killing the civilians. The people they're supposed to protect and serve. But instead, they're beating and murdering them. So, tired of telling you, tired of hearing y'all say what the victims should do or should have done a little differently. What about what the officers should do differently? What about the way they conduct themselves? What about how they go about these situations? Because I'm not buying the fear for my life bullshit no more. Excuse my language, but I'm not. No way in hell are you going to tell me 
Three officers, not one, not two, but three officers with pistols drawn were scared. Am I going to be scared when I'm looking to my left and I see his two shooters? Am I scared if I look to my my right and I see my man, he got it on him? And my man behind me got it on him? And we looking at a dude whose back is towards us and he don't got nothing? I'm scared? Seriously? I'm fearing for my life? Somebody ain't coming towards me. He not running towards me. He is two inches away from me. His back is turned. I got a strap, my man got a strap, and my other man, he got one too. I'm supposed to believe those three guys were scared? No way am I believing that. The system is so messed up that these officers are really not being trained. They don't know what they're doing in these situations. A lot of them really are out there with other things on their minds. And it's just like, bro, you cannot keep hiring these type of people. But the system is so broken, you can't get rid of them. Even if you hire, even if there are, you know, you hire the good cop. You get a a handful of good cops. These unions. All they're going to do is, hey, buddy, get the hell out. You don't want to be in our gang? Get out. This is how we're gonna, we do things, and we'll continue to do things. Unfortunate, isn't it? Very sad. So stop asking what the victim should have done differently. Stop asking what the civilian should have done differently. Because we, as civilians, we're not trained for that. We aren't the ones... We're not at work. We're not. We're not. We don't. We're, being a, a civilian isn't a job. Being a civilian, I don't have a badge. I don't have a badge. I don't wear a uniform. This is me. My black skin isn't a uniform. I don't wear a badge. I don't wear a funny looking hat. I don't have a, a squad car. I don't have a gun. I don't have a taser. I have a nice stick. I don't have handcuffs. I'm not the one who went to went to, uh, through police school or whatever the hell they do. They are. They're the ones that are trained for these type of situations. And if all of these situations keep ending up with people dying or seriously messed up from being beaten or shot, something is wrong. Something is wrong. People, I tried to look at the numbers of, of how many people people police the police officers have killed not only this year but in years previous there were so many different numbers and charts i couldn't even get it for you i tried it made my head hurt that's how bad this is this isn't anything that i'm just making up these are real things that are happening and they have to stop And I was I was very surprised to hear that Jacob Blake su- survived this, and I was relieved. Unfortunate, you know, the state they left him in, but thank God he's still with us. 
Not only am I am I thinking about Jacob Blake. I'm thinking about his two sons who were in the car when their father was shot seven times. Just like the girlfriend of Philando Castillo's daughter. She was there when Philando Castillo was murdered. She was right in the backseat. When Officer Geronimo Giannis shot and killed Philando Castillo. Then people talk about his criminal history, which is murky. Never convicted of anything. People call him all sorts of names. So you're telling me his criminal history, which you barely know anything about. So because of his criminal history, uh, you know, there should be no reason for this to be okay. Want to talk about somebody's criminal history? Look at your presidents. Then we can talk. It's much worse. It's much worse. Um, so I don't want to hear that. Nothing. Nothing about this is okay. Nothing about this is okay. At all. At all. Um, prayers up for Jacob Blake's family. Um, the families of the people who were murdered by a cowering house. The family of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Rashad Brooks. We're tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. So, that's what's going on in the world, people. In this country, that's what's going on. Now, in our world, my world, the world of sports, they're also tired. I would like to talk about and then give the WNBA and, and their and their players their flowers now before it's too late. Because they more than deserve it. You know, you you guys troll the WNBA, make jokes about the players, make jokes about the games, make jokes about everything. Involved every single BR post under there, their trolls about the WNBA. WNBA, Th- those women have been on the front lines of this movement for years now. Front lines, the front lines, like not um after the fact. They're not. They're not. They. I don't know how they become an afterthought because they've been the first ones on the ball. And everybody else follows suit. The WNBA deserves more credit than they are given for their contributions to the, to the movement as professional players. The WNBA has been taking a stand for more than they have been given credit for. 
So let's talk about that. Let's go back to 2016, July 9th. This is before Kaepernick took the knee. Before Kaepernick took the knee. Remember that. That's that's important. On July 9th, four members of the Minnesota Lynx, a dynasty on par with the Warriors, held a pregame press conference to talk about the police violence in the wake of the killing of Philando Castile by, Minis- by Minneapolis area officer and Alton Sterling. By two Baton Rouge, Louisiana officers. The four members of the Lynx, Maya Moore, Simone Augustus, Lindsey Whalen, and Rebecca Bronson, wore, sh- wore black shirts with the phrase, Change starts with us, justice and accountability. In response, four Minneapolis police officers immediately left their security post at Lynx Games. The move was condemned by Minnesota. Police Chief Janae uh, Hart- Harto, and but defended by Lieutenant Bob Crow, the president of Minneapolis Police Federation. The Lynx did not wear the shirts before subsequent road games. They continued the next day in New York. Members of the New York Liberty wore black li- uh black t-shirts with hashtag black lives matter hashtag dallas five printed on them while wearing uh while warming up for a game on july 10th they and players from other wnba teams then wore plain black t-shirts in future games the phoenix phoenix mercury and indiana fever did so on tuesday July 12th, while the Liberty continued to wear black shirts during warm-ups for their next three games. We're still advocating for it. We're still advocating for Black Lives Matter, Liberty star Tina Charles Charles told SB Nation at that time. Wearing a standard Adidas shirt, shirt knowing that the WNBA is sponsored by Adidas. We're still advocating for it in just a more of a change in the system of what's going on right now. This violated WNBA uniform rules and the league issued a fine. On Wednesday, July 13th, the fine the league fined the Liberty, Mercury and Fever $5,000 each and every individual player on those teams $500. The fines were for violating the league's uniform policy that requires players to exclusively wear official league uniforms supplied by the league during and before all games and practices. The policy does not allow for players to uh, alter the uniforms in any way. We are proud of WNBA players. Um, this is uh, okay, boom, blah, blah, blah. The players protested that decision too. A day later, Charles, one of the best athletes in the WNBA, protested while receiving her Player of the Month trophy. She wore a plain black shirt while the while receiving the honor before the Liberty's game against the Fever. This is all 2016 still. This is after the knee. The entire Indiana Fever team locked arms and knelt during the anthem before a playoff game in late September. Like, look at this is all 2016. 
man. Still here, 2016. Let's let's keep moving. Like, and it doesn't stop there. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Before the Kaepernick knee and after. The WNBA have been the ones leading the charge. They come to their games the day before yesterday. The Jacob Blake t-shirts with the seven bullet holes in the back. Black and white players. These these young these ladies, these women, have been leading the charge. Leading the charge. We give Kaepernick all the credit in the world, which he deserves. He deserves that. But the WNBA did it first. And I, and we don't, it's not a matter, I, I don't like that. You know, I'm not that type of guy who did first, you know, who, who started this, who, who started this trend. It's not about trending, it's not about trend setting. It's about giving credit where credit is due. And the WNBA deserves just that, they deserve their credit. They faced the music multiple times. They went against someone in their own organization. Yo, she ain't right. Get her out of here. They're not scared. Not only aren't they scared, they have the least to lose financially. These women don't make near what guys are making in in their respective sports. So if they get nixed... They're in a much deeper hole than a LeBron would be, than a Westbrook would be, than a Kyrie would be, than a KD would be, than a Mahomes would be. Much deeper hole. So I give those women all of the respect that they deserve, period. So I would like to thank you to every woman in the WNBA. Thank you for doing for doing what you do and continue to do that thank you for your service thank you for leading the charge when you are the most disrespected the most underrated the most underappreciated women in the sport in the sports world a lot of a lot of people they thought oh, the u.s women's soccer team love them thank you for the movement uh the pay wage blah 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 that same respect isn't given to the WNBA and that's BS. So I, me, Eric Lyons, host of Electrified Pod, I'm thanking you. Continue to keep up the great work. So around the league, um, you know, the NBA, they stopped. The Bucks decided to protest their game. Um, then there ended up being a work stoppage in NHL, uh, MLS soccer leagues. Uh, the NFL decided they, you know, today there weren't their practices were canceled. And shout out to the Lions, Matt Patricia and the Lions for being the first to cancel their practices early this week. Um, that was big. And um, you know, these teams are having conversations in the NFL. You know, they're having team meetings. I think the Ravens had a four-hour meeting. Um, you know, the Saints had the Jacob Blake on their helmets. The Packers canceled practice. This was in their state in Green um in, in Wisconsin. Uh, Matt LaFleur talked about that and everything. And it's just like 
This has to happen. We need to see this. We need to see this. Sports are a privilege. I don't think people understand that. That may be their jobs. You know, these pro athletes, that's their jobs. But for us to be able to and to be entertained and to enjoy these things is a privilege. And the way this country is acting, we all we deserve to be on punishment. Is it our fault? Us? No. But this country deserves to be on punishment. So if that means we don't have sports for a little bit, so be it. We deserve to be punished because this is a this is a mess. So the work stoppage happened. NBA they they didn't know if they were gonna play again. Um they had a meeting about it. They decided they're gonna resume games on Saturday. And then I saw people were like, Well, what was the point of protesting or boycotting? I hate that so much. I hate that so much. These players are trying. They're trying. There was a lot of money. A lot of strings pulled for this bubble, I'm sure. So I knew that that wasn't just going to just get nixed. I knew that. But, you know, they had to call up with the owners. They're like, yo, we want to do grassroots programs. We want to help with education. We want to do things where we're directly involved with social media fighters. Um, excuse me, social justice, social injustice fighters. We want to be in contact with them directly and helping them directly on the ground moving. That now that's action. That's action. That's action. That's action. Like when I talked about Travis Kelsey doing the um the lab the STEM lab. That's action, not just sending a bunch of money to a, to a, a, a organization with no face. Let's actually try to do something. LeBron, you know, he's heavy on the vote of rights right now. Turning Dodger Stadium into a voting poll, a polling site is huge. Getting people involved about, um, you know, fighting voter oppression. Huge. It starts there. That's action. You know, painting Black Lives Matter on the court is nice. Appreciate it. You know, wearing the Black Lives Matter tees is nice. Appreciate that. Players doing the media talking about what's going on is nice. We appreciate that. But the talking, the lip service. Um, hold on, excuse me, guys. Um. You know, the symbolism. Is it enough right now? They came into the bubble. They wanted to help make a change. In doing that, another black man shot on camera. I had to pause. Yo, what is going on? We need to do something now. The work stoppage went to the MLB. Players spoke out about it. Of all, you know, white, black, everybody felt the same way. Like, yo, we need to chill out. Let's try to do something. If we, if we ain't working today, we ain't working today. So it was that was that was nice to see. You know, things are you know they they're, they're trying, man. They're trying. 
Yo, shout out to Bur- uh, Joe Barrow. Shout out to Clayton Kershaw. I saw them some powerful quotes quotes from them. Um, you know, and shout out to the NBA, the Bucks for doing it. You know, starting it off. It's just like, yo, you guys have you 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 people have to understand, man. This stuff isn't isn't supposed to be normal. And that's why that Brian Erlacher shit made me so upset. I'm sorry for my language. Made me so upset. Because they're trying. I hate this word so much. But they're trying to normalize this, man. If you guys haven't seen that, please open your eyes. They're trying to make this normal. They're trying to make black people dying on camera at the hands of police normal. They're trying to make these videos go viral a normalcy. They're trying to make these protests, riots turn bad a normalcy. They want this to be everyday life for us. So it doesn't be so it doesn't feel like anything the next time it happens. The next Freddie Gray, the next Mike Brown, the next Philando Castile, the next Corinne Gaines, the next Sandra Bland, the next Rashad Brooks, the next Armand Aubrey, the next Jacob Blake. It will feel normal to us. That's what they want. They don't want us to keep feeling angry, upset. They just want to say, oh man, another nigga lost his life today. Oh well. That's what they want. So that's why they want the athletes to not care about this. They want the athletes to keep playing. When I say they, I'm talking about these racist ass fans who are ass backwards and choose to be ass backwards in a society that needs to be front forward, hands, I mean, face held high. At, at, this, is the, this is the time for change, man. And these ass clowns. Don't understand that But like I said I'm not talking to them today I'm not I'm not But they don't understand Yeah these athletes have millions So so what They didn't always have that They were black their whole lives They weren't rich their whole lives They were black their whole lives And it don't matter how rich you are don't matter where you come from. Like I said, it don't matter if you have a degree or if you come from the hood. It don't matter if you come from the top of the top of the bottom of the bottom. At the end of the day, they still see black. Jay-Z said it correctly. Still nigga. At the end of the day, still nigga. It do not matter, bro. It don't matter. They don't see that. Don't care if you walk across the stage. Don't care if you got letters on your chest. Barking like a dog. Stopping like a cat. They don't care about that. They don't. Don't care. About your background, bro. You are black. To them, you are a threat. To them, you are a problem. And it must be. And they, and they want us to eliminate it. They want, to be, they want us to be eliminated. That's how they look at us. When they see us, they see a threat. Black period So when these fans Of these sports teams And athletes Feel a way And they want to boycott the, the leagues They want to boycott sports Let them Let them go Because there's no place In the world of sports For people like that During these times 
People, I'm an hour in. I'm losing my voice. My head hurts. I think you guys understand me. I think I think I've I've said what I need to say today. <sighs> like I said, man. Next week I'm not dropping anything next week. No promos for anything that's coming. Um I'm pushing back the uh episode one oh nine to um hold on, let me look at my calendar. Um, give me a minute. I'm pushing that back. I'll say this the seventh on Monday. I think I'll push that back. And I'll um push back the YouTube show and everything that I had planned for this upcoming week. I'll continue to update you on that. But I want this episode to breathe. I want it to breathe. I want I'm going to be dropping this. Uh I'm gonna be having this on my social media every day. After I drop, after today, because I want this episode, I want you guys to actually listen to this and feel this. A lot of you guys need to hear this. So, yeah, man. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you actually listen today. I hope you learned something today. I hope you feel. I hope you felt something today. Um, thank you. To Stadium Scene TV for giving me an opportunity to have my platform emphasized, especially during a time like this. All I can say, man, is Black Lives Matter. They do. They do. They do. For the 108th time, I'm Eric Lyons, and you have just been electrified.